Hello again, everyone. What freaking cold? <laughs> Welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter podcast for the 21st of November 2022. Happy Monday to you. And it's freaking cold in this house, in this room. My office is in the, uh, it's away from where all the heat seems to go. I don't know what to say. It's just freaking cold. Anyway, I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, all that good stuff. Happy Thanksgiving week for you. And as it is Thanksgiving week, it's a short week. That means that there'll be a book giveaway today, but the book giveaway will be carried over until next week. So it'll be a two-week book giveaway. And since it's the beginning of the holiday season, I thought I'd go a little bit special. I've been teasing it for a while. I'm not going to make you wait till the end of the show to find out what the book is. The autographed book this week and next, if you sign up to support the program, at patreon.com slash derekhunterpodcast or derekhunter.locals.com is from 2011. It is entitled Time to Get Tough, Making America Number One Again, and it is written by a guy called Donald John Trump. I kid you not. A first edition of Time to Get Tough by former President Donald Trump. What other podcasts out there are giving you a chance to win a signed book by a president of the United States, I ask you? It's right. Now, you'll find out who it's against. I mean, although, come on, you can probably buy it for, I don't know, 500000 bucks, something like that on eBay. But you can win it for free here. Go to patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. It's a way to thank everybody for the support over this past year as we get ready to go into the Christmas season. So, yeah, you'll find out who it's against and what have you at the end of the show. But let's start the program. Nancy Pelosi is no more. Yes, well, she is more. She's still going to be in Congress for a while. She's got to make sure that her tracks are covered completely. But she announced that she is going to not seek leadership. It's kind of funny. Because what do you get out of Democrats? What did you get out of Democrats throughout the entire election? Democracy is under threat. Very democracy is under threat. And screaming, this is what democracy looks like. And, oh, we must protect and defend democracy. And Nancy Pelosi, Stanley Hoyer, they decide that they're not going to run for leadership anymore, mostly because they wouldn't win. It's kind of being left out that uh, in 2018, when Democrats retook the House, the AOCs of the world, even then, even though she was a freshman then, were whining and complaining about Pelosi's leadership and the Progressive Caucus was going to make her life very difficult, so she cut a deal that she would serve only two more terms as in, in leadership, and then she would step back. And she's just keeping her word. She, she, had to, she would not have won again, probably. She's one of the... She's the only woman... Speaker of the House, but she's one of the very few speakers of the House, the only one in modern times, to lose control of the House twice. That's kind of being glossed over by the media. Oh, no, she's so historic and wonderful. And, oh, my goodness. And I've got a couple of clips on a play of Morning Joe, 
drooling over her and uh, MSNBC. Oh, that just she's so super historic. Like, well, she is in a lot of ways, and one of those ways is she's one of the few speakers of the House, and really the only one in the last fifty years to have lost the House of Representatives twice. You know, normally when you lose the House of Representatives. You step down from leadership. Democrats' bench was so weak, they didn't have anybody to take over for her when Nancy Pelosi lost the House in 2010. She lost the House by a ton. She lost the House by a ton. 63 seats, I think it was, flipped back in 2010. Democrats were resoundingly rejected. And the party, very interested in democracy, took that loss to mean nothing and ignored it and never once thought that maybe the American people didn't like what they had been cramming down their throats and refute just like this time it's kind of funny the Democrats lose control of the house I was on uh, El Hura TV the other day which is uh, it's Middle Eastern I don't know translators and uh the the leftist I'm up against over there and it's all through translators but I could hear him speaking he was speaking English said, well, I hope that Republicans recognize that the uh, margin that they have in the House and will ultimately have in the House is very small. Very, very small. And I hope they don't take that as a mandate and they blah, 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 blah. You know, it is basically Democrats sitting there saying, I hope these Republicans realize that they've got to give Democrats what we want still. They can't go the other way. You can't uh, ram your agenda through. Now, first of all, controlling the House of Representatives, you can't really do all that much anyway, but you can stop a lot from going on. He was trying to make the argument that he should, that the Republicans should still allow Democrats to get their way. And uh, if you look at the margin, what it's going to end up being whenever they finally call all the rest of the races, it's going to be about what Democrats just had, right? What they currently have until... January 3rd. It's going to be the same. The Senate makeup is going to be essentially the same. If Herschel Walker wins, it will be exactly the same. If Herschel Walker loses, it will be a one-seat difference, still nominal in the grand scheme of things. So to sit there and say, well, Republicans, you better recognize that you don't have a mandate. And uh, Democrats didn't have a mandate. Democrats didn't have any, that they rammed through things on strictly partisan lines. So when Republicans, it will happen again, despite what the media will tell you, get control of the Senate and the House and the presidency all at once, I hope they learn the lesson from these Democrats, that they'll sit there and they say, well, remember, it's a very small, it's a divided country, you've got to respect it. Uh, your, uh, your Green New Deal so-called stimulus, falsely named stimulus thing, or uh, Inflation Reduction Act, had no Republican support. It was a Democrat wish list, and you rammed it through in reconciliation in the United States Senate. You ran it through on straight party line vote in the House of Representatives. And we're expected to just sit there and take you seriously when you say, hey, you've got to be bipartisan. No, go chase yourself. How's that sound? Does that sound good? Go chase yourself or go take a long walk off a short pier or whatever. Go bungee jump, but forget the bungee. Is that, is that acceptable to say? Probably not. But it's funny watching these people try in real time to rewrite the rules and rewrite reality. We're all there. We're, we're living through it now. We know what you did. 
Don't worry, Republicans generally aren't as big a weasels as Democrats are. They're weasels, but not as big a weasels as they I wish they would be bigger weasels. That would be nice. A dose of their own medicine is in order. So just remember when Democrats sitting there, when they're in the minority, they're suddenly very conciliatory. We need to work together. I will point out something I did point out in that El Hura interview. Joe Biden was asked a week ago or so, how um, how many times has he spoken to Kevin McCarthy? Had he, to- had he spoken to Kevin McCarthy? At the- he hadn't spoken to Kevin McCarthy at that time. Uh, the Republicans hadn't officially won the House yet. So I suppose there wasn't any reason. But he asked him how many times he'd spoke to him. What was your relationship like with Kevin McCarthy? So on and so forth. And um, he said he'd never spoken to him. He'd never, never had a conversation with him whole life never had a conversation with him and you you sit there and you go well he's the president and no if you are the president who ran as i'm going to bring people together i and only i can reach across the aisle and make things better and bring people together and then you're asked hey when's the last time you spoke to the leader of the opposition party well i've never spoken to him maybe you're less than sincere when it comes to um, to what you're saying, you know, maybe maybe you're not all that not all that honest. You got to love it though. Well, I've never spoken to him. Oh, so now you want to? You're willing to work with Republicans now that you have to work with Republicans in order to get anything. But before, when you didn't, even though it was a pretty evenly divided House, the the, the majority was what four or five seats in the House, and the Senate was fifty fifty. But you you just said screw you to Republicans. And ignored them and didn't even bother talking to him. That means, that means that he never once tried to convince Republicans to come around to his way of thinking. He never once tried. Look, if you try and they go, get to, get bent, go away, then you go, all right, well, we have no choice but to go on our own because we really want to pass this piece of legislation. That It's still garbage, but it at least is understandable garbage. If you don't even bother trying, what does that say about you? And then you go around talking about how you bring people together. It says you're a fraud and a liar. That's what Joe Biden is. But uh, let us not lose sight of Nancy Pelosi, the fraud and liar who announced yesterday on the floor of the House that she would not be seeking a leadership position. She's not resigning from the House. Normally, if it were normal, if she were normal, she would have resigned in 2010 when she lost the House the first time. Traditionally, though, not always. The leaders uh, step down. Usually there's a bunch of outrage from the followers and uh, people are forced out. Like you lost the house, you had your bite, and you, you it's over. Now we've got to get somebody else. But in the case of like Newt Gingrich, Newt Gingrich didn't even lose the house in 1998. He didn't even lose that. He just didn't win as many seats as Republicans were expecting. And still, those Republicans were like, oh, it's a failed leader. We've got to get rid of him. We've got to get rid of him. And Newt Gingrich ended up resigning from the House of Representatives. Really kind of a weird thing. It's tough to go from Speaker of the House to Minority Leader. And Nancy Pelosi is going even further. She's going to from Speaker of the House to a backbench irrelevant man. I wonder if she'll even get committee assignments. Anyway, listen to her on the House floor announcing that she will not be seeking a leadership 
position. My friends, no matter what title you all, my colleagues, have bestowed upon me, speaker, leader, whip, there is no greater official honor for me than to stand on this floor and to speak for the people of San Francisco. This I will continue to do as a member of the House, speaking for the people of San Francisco, serving the great state of California, and defending our Constitution. And with great confidence in our caucus, I will not seek re-election to Democratic leadership in the next Congress. For me, the hours come for a new generation to lead the Democratic caucus that I so deeply respect. So you will not seek re-election to leadership. Now, you would think, under normal circumstances, in a party that was, you know, open and free and fair, this would lead to a clamoring. Imagine the, uh, the most violent game of King of the Hill you ever played in your life when you were a kid. Think about that. It, it, that's kind of how it is. It's Thunderdome. It's the cage match. It's whatever. But weirdly, in this case, Democrats have all decided. Well, I don't know that Democrats have all decided. It's funny is Democrat leadership has all decided. They're very top-down over there. No matter what they tell, oh, we care about the little guy. They don't. They don't. They are very top-down. It's reported yesterday, Jake Sherman, founder of Punchbowl News, he's MSN, uh, NBC contributor and NBC News. Says, Next Democratic leadership is uh, Representative Hakeem Jeffries. Hakeem Jeffries from Brooklyn, New York. Radical guy, lefty, really, uh, really kind of a nasty guy. The whip is Catherine Clark out of Massachusetts. She, uh, again, not really known for reaching across the aisle. She's been assistant speaker of the house. She has her pronouns in her Twitter bio. Her Twitter bio reads assistant speaker of the U.S. House, proudly representing the people of Massachusetts Five, defender of women, kids, and justice. Then it's she-her. Ooh, she, she's, uh, she's got her pronouns right there. And the caucus chair is Representative Pete Aguilar from California. Their leadership has gotten more radical. As much as you can, now they always have, people generally pick leadership parties, generally pick leadership that's safe. You don't want somebody who, oh, the new Speaker of the House won re-election with 52% of the vote. You don't want that. Why? Because you could, you've just put a giant target on your leader for defeat from the other party, even if the House doesn't flip. You can pick off a Speaker if it's just a, a marginal district. Was it Tom Foley, I think? Well, Tom Foley lost in 1994. He was Speaker of the House. That was just a wave year, once in a, a lifetime, a generational shift. It had been 40 years since Republicans had control of the House of Representatives. And that the Speaker would have been swept up in that, no matter how safe he was before, isn't that big of a surprise. But these are, you know, 70 percenters. These are people who are left of left of left. And 70 percenters. Nancy Pelosi is very left-wing, but she's outflanked by these people. She'll be missed by somebody somewhere along the lines. But uh, it's funny watching the reaction to this, because I and you, you've probably sat through or witnessed, lived through 
a lot of speakership changes in your life. In the last 20 years, we've had four or five of them. And then even before that, we had them. Tip O'Neill eventually retired. I think he retired. I don't think he died when he was in office. So uh, Tip O'Neill's the first speaker that I remember. He surely wasn't beat. But you did not hear this sort of drooling, oh my goodness, she is this speaker. Tip O'Neill's the greatest ever. You never heard Newt Gingrich, he will be missed. Or Paul Ryan is a once in a generation sort of, nope, it was nothing like that. Now, Pelosi has the bathroom she uses that makes her historic. Oh, she's so historic because she's a woman. But they're not harping on that. In this clip from Morning Joe, from uh, you'll hear them literally praising. You'd think she walked on water. Everyone feels like your mother has done that to me. She's a hard worker, too. Yes. She, you know, she... The way she knew every member and every, you know, whatever member needed and whatever caucus needed was she just met with them constantly and she took their temperature. She was very organized. Of course, she had her deputies out there feeling, you know, and and counting votes votes for her. And she could count. She could really, really count. She could turn out the count. Uh, no, it's the end of an era and an incredible one. And um, I mean, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, it, it's sort of hard not to be in awe of what she has accomplished, unless you're in a cult. Uh, coming up, uh, we'll get much more reaction. <laughs> Eugene Robinson, who's usually uh, just whining about how racist white people are, but only when they're not Democrats. And like, oh, she could count. She can count? Really? Yeah, and, and Mika doesn't understand what that means. Goes, oh, she could turn out the count. What does that mean, Mika? Explain yourself. Uh, Mika does look like she had some recent work done. It's unfortunate. It's getting unfortunate. Somebody needs to pull her aside and say, enough, enough, Mika, don't do it. But boy, howdy, they love their Nancy Pelosi. She could do, it's a horrible thing. It's the end of an era. It's like she was the mother. She knew everything that was going on. She took care of everybody. She was, you mean she did her job? Was there somebody who didn't do the job as speaker? Was there somebody who just sat back, ate a log of bologna, and uh, played video games or something while they were speaker of the house and didn't know what was going on? Because I don't think there was. I think most speakers of the House do the job. But why is Nancy Pelosi special? They weren't even pretending it was special because she's a woman. They were saying she's special because she's a Democrat. They weren't saying it, but that's really what it was. Then later on MSNBC, because, you know, once the torch is passed, the the times change. One person on MSNBC removes their lips from Nancy Pelosi's posterior, and the next one comes up and does it. This is uh, Chris Jansing and Matthew Dowd. Just to let you know, Matthew Dowd is one of the thinnest-skinned human beings. He used to be it's something to do with the Bush administration, George W. Bush. Like I say, some of the worst human beings on the face of the earth came to prominence in a Republican Party headed by George W. Bush. Nicole Wallace, Michael Steele, Matthew Dowd. Matthew Dowd, I don't honestly know anybody on Twitter who isn't blocked by Matthew Dowd because he is thin-skinned. Any criticism immediately gets you the block. But he, boy, how he loves himself some Pelosi. Let you know what kind of uh, conservative he is. 
So, uh, Matthew, look, it's an understatement to say this is and was a hugely impactful and historic speakership. Talk to us about the legacy Nancy Pelosi leaves behind and the shoes, frankly, that need to be filled. Yeah, the heels that probably are going to be very difficult to, uh, to fill. I mean, I agree with the president. She's the most consequential, effective speaker in my lifetime. Uh, she should be on everybody's goat list of, of leaders of the House uh, of the entirety of our country's history. Uh, she has to be on considered one of the greatest of all time. I think my, what I laud most about her and I've always respected about her, even having been on the opposite side of her at times, is she's a true servant leader. I mean, in, in all of its manifestations, she served not for her own benefit, but for the benefit of others. And this step she made today, I think, is one of the most classy examples of servant leadership, where you step back, you hold power, you step back to make room at the leadership table for others in the course of this. That is real servant leadership. And the fact that she's going to step back and continue to serve underlines that she really does believe in servant leadership. And I hope, my hope, is others in Washington, whether it's in the House, the Senate, or even the presidency, look at that step and say, maybe it's time for a new generation to take take over the levers of power. Oh, servant leadership. How many times did he say servant leadership? Drink, drink, servant leadership. She's such a, a servant leader. She's a, She made uh, a fortune. Well, her husband made a fortune. It was weird. Now, they were rich going in, but now they're worth somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 to $300 million. They weren't worth 200 to $300 million when she entered Congress. They weren't worth anywhere close to that. In fact, they weren't really worth anywhere close to that until she became Speaker of the House. And then suddenly, miraculously, as happens all the time, the people around the Speaker of the House, particularly their relatives, become particularly good, exceedingly good, some might say curiously good, at picking stocks and playing the stock market. It's just weird. It's one of those little quirks. It's one of those little things. It's like those spouses or family members of people in Congress become imbued with this ability to know whether or not government contracts are going to be renewed or granted in the first... All these sorts of things. It's just... Weird. Just imagine all of the potential conflicts of interest are out there and uh, all the potential access to all that information that could easily help somebody play the stock market to their advantage and know that the Pelosi's, while they did better than just about anybody in the stock market, they did it just through natural ability. Uh, It's just, you know, you have to take your hat off. You have to take your hat off to people like that. I suppose, or something. <laughs> Can you feel the sarcasm? But you got to love that. Oh, she's just so consequential. Servant leadership, servant leadership. The American people don't like what you're doing. We have to do it anyway. We have to pass the bill so you can find out what is in it. We're never going to repeal this. It doesn't matter how unpopular this is. We're going to do it no matter what. We will arm twist. We will put bribes. We will do everything we can. Good servant leadership is really known for its arm twisting in order to get it done. Servant leadership is known for its uh, congressional payoffs in order to get things done, isn't it? Look, you've always wanted whatever X, Y, or Z in your your, uh, district or state. I'll give that to you if you get your vote on this thing. What do we have to do? It's really easy to bribe people. 
with other people's money and perfectly legal to do it with our money because that's what Congress does. And nobody did it better than Nancy Pelosi, I guess. So in that sense, she is historic. But none of these butt kissers over at NBC News will dare put it the way it truly is. So we got uh, Nancy. There'll be plenty of time to mourn Nancy Pelosi. I know, I know. I know. This, they really should have like the Nancy Pelosi fund. They've got all these mutual funds and everything. They should have the Nancy Pelosi fund or just the, the Democrat members of Congress fund where you, you invest your retirement in what Democrat members of Congress are buying and selling at a given time. And that's it. The, the, the fund manager just follows what Democrats do. Now, they'd have to be much faster, much earlier, immediate even um, reporting. But I think that'd be brilliant. That'd be a great, I'd, I'd love to manage that fund. That'd be, that'd be a huge thing. But what's his face? Uh, Harry Reid goes to the United States Senate, a relative, a man of modest means worth a couple hundred thousand dollars. And he retires with like $12 million, I think it was. That's, and that's a few years ago. That's good money. Nancy Pelosi, $300 million. All these Democrats make a fortune. Their stock trades are killer choices. Don't you want to know that? There's a damn business. That's what I need. That's the business to start right there. I don't know how we get the laws changed so they have to actively tell you what they're buying. They don't have to tell you why they're buying things, but you just have to say, all right, before you sell anything, you've got to tell us. And we're just going to, we're not going to criticize you. We're not going to question you. We're just going to go along with you. Maybe we won't go, you know, put everything into one stock, everything into this, everything into that. Won't be an everything trade, but it'll be like a mutual fund that tracks Democrat stock trades and follows them. Sounds damn brilliant to me. God, I'm brilliant. <laughs> I'd just love to see that. And then you can also watch these people as they destroy certain industries or desperately try to destroy certain businesses, as the left is trying to do with Twitter right now. Ed Markey played this the other day, I think. Ed, I'm going to play it again, though. Ed Markey, Democrat senator. Honestly, there's nobody you could do better than this Massachusetts. I mean, I know it's Massachusetts. Send Shark to the Senate, for the love of God. They send Ed Markey out there, and he is go. He wants to look at Twitter. Well, actually, what he really wants is Elon Musk to run Twitter the way Ed Markey wants Twitter run. And as such, Ed Markey is going to investigate Twitter if Twitter does not run itself the way Ed Markey wants it to be run. Notice they don't really cite a whole lot of justification for this muscle flexing or threatening or however you choose to look at it. They just kind of say it as fact, and the left-wing interviewers talking to them don't even bother to pretend that what you're talking about here is pretty damn close to extortion. But listen to Ed Markey, who wants Twitter. They'll pay a price if they don't put what he wants in place. And again, as the owner of these companies, he can fire anyone he wants. Uh, he can do whatever he wants inside of those companies. But when he's dealing with the federal government in terms of federal laws, he's not free to do that. You cannot ignore what the federal government is requiring of your company. And that goes for safety rules in your vehicles, and it also goes for guardrails uh, that have to be built around social media sites that are allowing for 
uh, Twitter for $8 to give someone an ability to impersonate who they are. And it, they could be impersonating the fact that they're the CDC or Eli Willie or yes. uh, Lily or a United States senator. Yes. That is not permissible. And they would pay, they will pay a price if they don't put safeguards in place at Twitter. <laughs> they, meaning Democrats, really do honestly believe that you are stupid. That you, we, the American people, we are wildly stupid and we need them to save us from our stupid selves. You could hear Chris Hayes giving him an amen a couple of times there at the end. That's what they really believe. You're just so damn stupid. Were it not for Democrats out there protecting you from yourself, you would just be sitting at home eating paste all day. That's it. They could imitate the CDC. Yes, they could buy the verification badge for $8 a month and change their name to CDC. But what they can't change is your actual Twitter handle. See, there's a difference between your Twitter handle and your name. I understand this is complicated for members of Congress and members of the media who are seeking to destroy a company, but it's not really all that complicated for a normal human being with an IQ a little bit warmer than room temperature. See, my name is Derek Hunter. If you go to my Twitter page, it's right there, Derek Hunter. And I have the vaunted blue check mark from a long time ago. But my Twitter handle is at Derek A. Hunter. Now, I could change my name, my display name, to be Senator Ed Markey, moron, Massachusetts. But I can't change the at Derek A. Hunter to that. Because my Twitter handle is at Derek A. Hunter. My display name is what... Now, you don't see the display name and not the Twitter handle. That just doesn't happen. You see both. So you can call yourself whatever, Princess uh, Littlefoot, and then there's your Twitter handle right after it. That's just how the world works. So whilst someone could say, I'm the CDC... They can't become the CDC. And if you're too damn stupid to look at that and say, oh, this must be a tweet from the CDC sending topless photos from spring break. Uh, I wonder why that must be the best way to fight COVID is to get topless and, and have a chicken fight in a swimming pool. This is good to know, useful information. But they're not wearing masks. If, if you're fooled by that, there's literally nothing that can be done to protect you from yourself except for maybe institutionalizing you, if that's what you fall for. But that's what Democrats believe. That's where Democrats live. It must be true. People must be this stupid. We have to protect them. Now, the reason these people form this opinion, and it's not without merit in one degree or another, the reason these Democrats form this opinion of the American people is they usually just hang out with other Democrats. And if you ever have a chance to meet a group of Democrats and you sit there and you listen to them speak, you will come away with the impression that you're lucky that breathing is a reflex because if it required you to be aware of it and to do something, you probably would forget to do it. You're the type of person slip-on shoes were created for. You're, you're just, you're not able to operate a can opener. You would come away with that impression. So you could see why somebody who spends most of their time, if not all of their time, around Democrats, they would have the impression that the rest of the country is completely gullible. I mean, 
they do believe that the Inflation Reduction Act had anything to do with inflation. There are people out there. There are people out there who think that Joe Biden's jihad against oil and gas have nothing to do with the price of oil and gas. It's just, you know, those greedy oil companies and Vladimir Putin, not Joe Biden's policy prescriptions or, you know, if you just look back at his campaign promises, it wasn't even vague. I'm going to end, I promise you, I'm going to end oil. Now give me some of that pert plus. Well, Lest you think that stupidity just run in Ed Markey across the Democratic caucus in the United States Senate, it runs wide and it runs deep. Amy Klobuchar, senator, former presidential candidate, had the uh, well the, the same sort of idea. She really wa- they really want to go after Elon Musk. They really are terrified at the prospect of free speech being exercised. Not by Democrats. They don't ever really seem to care about the death threats, the horrible things, the attacks on anything having to do with conservatives. They don't care. You can go out. But if a conservative exercises free speech and says, hey, you know what? Uh, We should probably take a closer look at these uh, vaccine mandates. Just something as innocuous as that. They want to come down on you like a rabid spider monkey. Amy Klobuchar does it with a a Midwestern accent rather than a Massachusetts accent, but it's every bit as condescending and horrible as Ed Markey. This isn't just Twitter, as you just pointed Mm -hmm. out, Eugene. Uh, This is also about all of these companies. There are no rules of the road in place. We have no federal privacy law. We have state ones. Right. We have no competition policy for tech that applies to tech, something I've been trying to change. Uh, We have... Uh, no rules when it comes to do they get to keep their immunity when they're actually amplifing hate speech right. or misinformation yeah. and making money off it. It is one thing when someone just posts something and sends an email, puts something out there, and you own a company on which they did it. It is another when you are amplifying it and making exactly. money off it. There are ways, as other countries have done, that we could put rules in place. So I think this should be a major focus for the Congress next year. I think we have to, as well as getting everything we can get done by the end of this year, because nothing has happened. Yes, um, he is seems to be with unexplainably doing everything to run this company into the ground. I don't understand it. It is cyber employees, all kinds of things, engineers leaving. But there is more than that. That is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to no rules in place. Oh, the horrible, horrible prospect of no rules, no speech rules, no codes in place. Now she's talking amplifying and monetizing hate speech. She's saying this on MSNBC. They're spreading, they're making money off of hate speech and misinformation. Not really sure that MSNBC is the perfect venue for that since that seems to be their business model, doesn't it? Isn't that what they do? Those damned Republicans, the bleepity bloppity bloops, they, uh, Fascist monsters, they're trying to kill you. All they want to do is destroy democracy. They want to destroy democracy. Destroy democracy. Oh, that's a little bit of misinformation. It's not misinformation if you truly believe it. What do you got? The George Costanza rules for what is and isn't misinformation? It's not a lie if you believe it. Such such crap. But these people look at out look at anything out there. 
that they don't control and they need to control it. There are no federal rules for this or that. Yeah, because maybe the federal government shouldn't be involved in those things. The federal government doesn't have to be involved in everything. There are state rules for privacy. Well, then the concept is covered, is it not? Right? And there are state rules for privacy. Then you box checked, right? If the people of Minnesota want super duper hyperactive privacy rules for their social media, then fine, go ahead and enact them. But if the people of Tennessee don't really care, why should you force your will on the people of Tennessee? Why should you become the policy equivalent of Harvey Weinstein and force your will on people of states that don't want it or they want a different set of privacy protections or whatever? That's the very beautiful concept of federalism that our founding fathers set up for us, that Democrats, I don't know if they despise it as much as they simply just can't grasp the concept. They can't, it's like one thing to watch your neighbor mow their lawn and you go, God, they're just doing it in the dumbest way possible. And it's another thing to go out there and like push them off their mower, get off the mower. You can't cut your grass this way. You need to cut it. You're cutting it crossways and it needs to be up and down. What are you doing? Stop this. It's totally different. A liberal will look at that and go, I need to stop them from doing what they're doing. I don't like what they're doing. They obviously, they don't understand that there's a better way, even if the quote-unquote better way is completely arbitrary. There has to be a better way, and I'll tell them the better way. They're too stupid. Whereas the conservative will just look at them and go, "Eh, what an idiot, whatever. What are you going to do? Make my lawn look better by comparison or whatever. It's just a very weird, different, way of looking at the world between liberals and conservatives what's weird is they'll look at a homeless guy and they'll step over a homeless guy and go oh government should do something somebody should do something the government should do something about that whereas conservatives and independents normal human beings would go is there a way i can help this person maybe you don't want to give him cash but buy him a sandwich or something democrats view paying taxes as charity because government is supposed to do the charitable work it's just a, it's a scary thing. And these people, thankfully, will not have the ability to do much. Because Joe Biden controls the FCC, they will still have the ability to impose a lot of things. And those things will percolate up from morons like Markey and Klobuchar. But if you remember, when Democrats got their way under Barack Obama, they imposed net neutrality to save the internet. Everyone's going to save the internet. They've saved the internet. Glory be to government. Government has saved the internet. Realistically, the internet had developed. The concept was aided by government, but the the development of the internet as a commercial enterprise and entertainment and whatever all happened because government wasn't involved, because government wasn't in the way. The government wasn't messing in there, but government, liberal government, couldn't couldn't stand it they kept chomping at the bit going we need to find a way to get involved and the leftists wanted control of the infrastructure of the internet they wanted to wrestle it from the companies that built it and that's what essentially what in net uh, net neutrality is so they imposed it and all glory be the internet is saved and donald trump came in and said no we're getting rid of these internet regulations these net neutrality regulations agit pie over at the fcc did the right thing and got rid of it. And nothing happened. Nothing changed. 
the government no longer had control, no longer had a gun to the head of these Internet service providers, and the Internet didn't crash. You aren't being charged for going to different websites and whatever. All the things that the Democrats insisted would happen if we didn't have net neutrality didn't happen before they imposed net neutrality, and they didn't happen after net neutrality was repealed. It's weird how that works. It's almost, bear with me, it's almost like Democrats were lying. I know, I hope you were sitting down for that information, but it really is almost like Democrats were using hyperbolic rhetoric to get a policy objective sought desperately by their big money donors. Oh, they would never do that, would they? Nah. (laughs) All right, that is enough for today, ladies and gentlemen. We're joined by Quinn who's dressed up like an Indian, cultural appropriation. She's been playing Thanksgiving all day, haven't you? Yeah. All right. You got a na- Can you say that first name there? Drop the mic. Can you say that first name? No. All right. Amy. Amy Gleason has won the signed book. She chose Judge Janine Pirro. That means congratulations to her. Amy, check your Patreon messages. you got to get me a, an address. And that means it's Donald John Trump, a book. Uh, I believe my friend Sean got this signed for me at a CPAC. It's either this. I think that was it because the other two I have, we got signed at uh, the Maryland State Republican dinner right after Donald Trump announced. I think I got I got. Uh, It's like Trump 101 is the other book, and then Art of the Deal, which I'm going to keep so the kids can sell it one day. Uh, But this one, we got it at CPAC. Sean waited diligently outside as Trump gave a speech, so that was very cool of him, thanks to Sean. And it's Donald Trump versus Anne Rice, so maybe some people will want Anne Rice. I say, just as a way to thank everybody, I'm going to try and step it up, so if you haven't joined try and step it up for the end of the year if you haven't joined yet go to patreon.com slash derek hunter podcast or derek hunter.locals.com and sign up and enter to win the contest get the extra shows get the bonus content get the pictures blah 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 check it out much much appreciated it's a short thanksgiving filled week but we're going to get through it with a lot of fun plus david limbaugh will be uh I think I'm going to use my David Limbaugh interview for either Thursday or Friday. Probably Friday. All right. That's enough. Go about your business. We'll be back here tomorrow. Thanks for listening.